Welcome to Design by Us, the show where we discuss how humans design the world. My name is Ravi Chohan and with me as always, and with you as always, and with us in our hearts as always is Luigi D'Entrono. Luigi, how are you? Not sick. Not sick? You feeling better? Yeah, Yeah, feeling better. Brilliant. Well, it's amazing what a week can do just to just improve how well you're feeling and stuff like that. It's brilliant. Um, I'm glad you're feeling better. Personally, I'm not feeling too great. So maybe you've somehow like passed over this uh, this virus to me over the... um, yeah, just passing over. That's what good friends do. Yeah. No, thank you. you thank go. you. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, right. Let's let's kick off from where where we've from where we left off. So, for anyone who um is listening to this show as their first show, in the last episode we discussed a little bit of the history of Twitter uh, and the different product decisions they made, uh, and maybe some of the things that we would we would have done differently, or things that maybe have become quite obvious in hindsight that would have been good to do differently. In this episode, we're going to talk about something. Uh, that the world seems to have been talking about for the last year, uh, and that is Elon Musk's acquisition of of Twitter. Everything has happened then, everything has happened since, and also a little bit around what's been going on uh, with some of the competitors to Twitter, namely Mastodon. Luigi, is that right with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, look, um, I listened to the uh, to the other episode, and we finished it off by talking about what happened in twenty twenty, in terms of a big downturn in terms of uh, revenue. Yeah, of course. So basically, they went from one point five million. 1.5 billion of revenue yeah. uh, to minus 1.1 billion in revenue. Yep. So I've got one word for you there. Yeah. COVID. Yeah. COVID, Completely COVID, forgot COVID. for a second. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and actually around the same time, Mount, uh, like, you know, and actually I don't know about you, but like for me, COVID was something that I experienced on Twitter, if that makes sense. I've got massive, vivid memories of doom scrolling on Twitter, just trying to get the latest information. Yeah. On the basis that I thought if I understood it, I could control it, which obviously was not the case. That's quite interesting because you would think that people have more time. Twitter was the, the place for real-time news, so more people will go on Twitter. You will drive more more traffic, more engagement, because the news, like the recency of the news is so much so 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 important that you would think that, that would cause a, a high impact on Twitter's numbers. Yeah, but then you think yeah, but you're forgetting that they make their money from adver- advertisers. Yeah. Who yeah. would have just gone massively bearish and just yeah, know. it's like yeah, not no time to ads to to do yeah. ads. Okay, yeah, exactly. Cool, 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 cool. So uh, around this kind of same sort of time, pressure is mounting on Jack Dorsey, uh, the the returned CEO, uh, because he's currently he's he's also being CEO of a company called Square. Yeah. Um, so he's basically got two jobs and he's doing a part-time job in each of them. And eventually in 2021, he stepped down uh, and said that Twitter needs a full-time uh, CEO. Uh, yeah. Which I thought was quite funny, yeah. But again, you know, we don't know what's happened behind the scenes. But I would not be surprised if the board put just a ridiculous amount of pressure on him uh, and got rid of him again, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like external politics. We need to make it look seem good and mm-hmm. just quit, and it's better. It's funny as well that they needed a full time CEO, and the person who came next was Elon Musk. Yes. Well, the thing is, right. So what what we what we what we haven't talked about is acquisition, right? Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, but basically in its existence, Facebook turned down acquisition offers from Google, from Facebook, uh, from Salesforce and from Disney. Right. Yeah. So these were all rumors that were flying and basically Twitter turned them all down. And eventually they are kind of like, we really need, you know, we need something here. Uh, and then basically the idea of taking the company private is seen as like a step back, if that makes sense. It's seen mm-hmm. as like a, a bit of a negative. Um, and that's what Elon Musk did. He took it private. Um, to basically be able to do what you wanted with that. Don't have to report anything to any investors yeah. or shareholders. It's your company. You can do what you want with it. Yeah. So 
in March of 2022, uh, Musk secretly bought uh, 9.2% in Twitter over a period of months. Uh, and then in April of 2022, he disclosed his take. So he, 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 his stake, sorry. So he told the world, hey, just to let you know, I have 9.2% in Twitter as part of yeah. like. Which you legally have to do, huh? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. so, yeah. I think so, yeah. So then essentially, uh, after that particular piece, what he then did was said that he was invited to join the board, he turned it down, and then he made his uh, acquisition offer to buy it at $54.20 a share. Twitter then said, no, we don't want to be taken over by you. We're going to use a poison pill. And this isn't a podcast around financial instruments, but basically it means that they could basically dilute him out and make him make it really difficult to buy. Uh, and then eventually they agreed to be sold for $44 billion. Yeah, yeah. Keep in mind that just before he was acquiring this 9.2% of Twitter, he also had just sold his Tesla stock, a lot of his Tesla stock. So he had a lot of cash running around and he, he probably made the Twitter acquisition just to diversify. And um, yeah, anyway. Um, absolutely. So um, Twitter agrees to be sold. Musk agrees to buy at $44 billion. Uh, And then actually what happens is there's like a bit of a stock market crash in terms of tech stocks. Yeah. Twitter is no longer worth $44 billion. And he tries to pull out. He talks about bots and you know all the issues with the deal. Basically, the the arbitration courts basically say no. You sign a contract. You have to buy it. He was like, I don't want to buy it. And then he agreed to buy it. Yeah. So it's like backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Who's going to buy it? Yeah. It's kind of annoying Again, actually. I got yeah, bored if, by the whole story. I don't know about yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to find uh, more about this, there are tons of podcasts online. We're going to list a few. This podcast is not really about the whole financial story and the whole drama of what happened. It's more of a what if Twitter has done X, Y, Z and what's going to happen now from a design point of view? Exactly. So, okay. So Twitter, Elon Musk has Twitter. What are the decisions yeah. he has made that has drastically changed from your perspective, the product and, and the way the design? He, yeah, lays, the off he, half, he, lets, he lays off half of the 7,500 person workforce, which is a big one. So literally like he tweets a video of him walking into the Twitter headquarters, like two days later, layoffs. Like yeah. it's kind of insane. Yeah. Thoughts on that? Good question. Lots of different thoughts on that. The first one is maybe we'll get we will get into a tiny bit of the businessy stuff, but there's this thing called integration planning that you're supposed to do when you buy a company or when one company mm -hmm. buys another, which is basically saying, right, how are we going to take over this company? Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? Yeah. Basically, because Elon Elon Musk, and I refuse to use his first name, like on, I'm on a first name basis with him. People did that with Boris Johnson in the UK, and it just really annoyed me. So so please correct me. <laughs> you get me triggered by, by very small very small things okay no you're right bud but like you know i think um i think so basically it, it's it sounded like they hadn't done any integration planning and now elon Musk is like suddenly like oh we're gonna do this thing oh my word we're losing loads of money cut 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 um and personally i had a lot of challenges um or problems i had with it's this is a really complicated topic right because first of all like as a you can't just get rid of half of your company and expect things to keep working. Yeah. Like just day-to-day -day stuff. So I got a little bit worried that, oh, Twitter's going to go down. Maybe things like content moderation aren't going to happen as well. Maybe new product updates aren't going to come because they're going for this massive restructure and not a restructure in a way that's planned, more in a, in a kind of structure of, oh, I own this thing now and bang, I need to go and deal with this, basically. Mm -hmm. Do you remember a lot of the news stories and uh, everything else like that that was going on? No, don't tell me. Well, you had um, people who were finding out whether they'd been fired or not by whether their company laptop turned on, all of these yeah. kinds of things, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's very important. Like, layoffs happen. I think what is important is how you do them. Uh, you're not dealing with a spreadsheet or people in a spreadsheet when you lay off 3,000 people. These are people's lives, and, and it's very important how you do them. I don't I don't think Elon Musk, I've, I wasn't there, but from, from the rumors, is 
I don't think he did it in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. But a restructure makes sense. If you actually look at, I think Twitter was very, in terms of number of people, it had most of sales and marketing uh, and recruitment. So it had loads of, of those people in those areas. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers with me right now. No, I don't have them with me right now. But if I think what's going on right now on Twitter based on, on the current employees and, and all the leaked images and, and emails is that Twitter is going through a transition from a very marketing and, and, and sales-oriented company mm -hmm. to a more product and engineering one. Mm -hmm. So they're putting the innovation on in the hands of the product and engineering, which I'm not necessarily saying is it depends how it's, it moves on, like, Elon Musk is very product-minded. You can see mm -hmm. it in Tesla. You can see it in SpaceX. It's more in the technology, more more than the than, than the actual numbers of the business. So I think that's basically what he's transitioning into. Um, you need to do that as soon as possible. Otherwise, it's super painful. Like If you are going to do it, you need to do it as, as soon as, as fast as possible. Otherwise, what, it's a massive transition. Yeah. What do you think about... So obviously, obviously that happened, right? Yeah. What do you, what do you think about Elon Musk's kind of... Basically, he wants to change people the way that people work at Twitter. So essentially, demanding people are now in the office in like company emails uh, to everyone. Most recently, uh, I can't remember when this was. I think it was last week. Uh, he tweeted, anyone who writes software or does design in the Bay Area, so that's in San Francisco, should be on the 10th floor of the San Francisco headquarters. It should be dense and intense. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I think he, he's choosing awards are not the best. Sorry, but I did tweet that, by the way. That went out in a company email. Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, I have a bit of controversial views. I, I do like working from home. I do have the flexibility, but I do still go to the office. I think uh, great products, and I've said this many times, great products are built after great teams, and it's impossible for you to actually, especially right now, that there is so much um, uh, bad energies and there is so much... Um, yeah, like bad energy is going around the Twitter culture of like, well, who's getting fired? Like, who, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. Like you need to bring people together and actually like, look, these are the people who are going to bring Twitter to the next level. And to do that, you need to do it in person. So I do think that's, that's, that's a right choice. That's the right choice. And, and like, yeah, this is, this is the complicated thing around this, right? This is this, this is the same guy that like tweeted a poll about whether he should bring Donald Trump back onto the platform. And then the, the results of that poll were what happened. Right. So people, it was actually quite close. I don't know if you saw it, it was like 52 yeah. to like 48 in the end. Right. Yeah. To bring him back. And then he was like, okay, cool, we'll do that. So on the one hand, you've got in my in my view, which I see as quite a negative decision like that, basically, or quite again, from my perspective, it's wrong to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then you've also got a another perspective of well, no, so basically he does that, and then at the same time, he makes a change that maybe you might agree with. This is a complicated situation, if that makes sense. Like you've got to really kind of understand. Like from from his point of view, if you were him right now, I could see you and I could see me making the same decision. Maybe not communicated in that way, but basically, like, yeah, we've got problems. Let's fix them. Let's all get together and collaborate, right? Which is the nice way of saying, yeah, I think like stop work, working from home. We need to get you in now. I think I think there are a few areas where Twitter can leverage their 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 data and and like basically. I, I've been doing some thinking of like what what are Twitter Twitter's levers right now? Mm -hmm. Twitter is about real time, free speech. Everyone can talk about whatever they they want. They are passionate about their opinions, share, have a have a exchange opinions respectfully. And as long as you can do that in a respectful manner, and the community supports you, 
then that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. I think the community should be able to detect when when any of these tweets are are disrespectful or or they go outside the community guidelines. Yeah, the, yeah, the community guidelines. Mm-hmm. I think there is not really a structure to do that in that way. One of the things that I think Twitter should be doing is open their data, like be super transparent. Like if this is actually about the community, this is about the people, this is about the town hall, what Elon Musk keeps saying, like this is the place for everyone to exchange information. Just make everything open, like keep a dashboard that anyone can access at any time. And that says, this is the, the, the misinformation tweets that we have spotted and that we have removed. This is all the, the tweets of accounts that have been bad. Like these are the people that have been doing bad things and on Twitter. Like we recommend you don't follow them or don't listen to information about them. Just be super transparent because at the end of the day, it's like they are becoming some sort of agency or or infrastructure or, or government. Yeah, exactly. Or infrastructure or government that basically manages inf- information or exchange of ideas across so many people. Um, and if you don't have the transparency of hey, this is what's going on in the whole in the whole situation, you create all of these uncertainties and people people creating their own ideas and spreading bad news and spreading their rumors and like Twitter this, Twitter that. But if you have one single source of truth, you just go there, see the data and then be like, okay, this is what's going on. And mm-hmm. these are the flaws of Twitter. These are the good things. And you know what you're getting into. You know the flaws, you know what you can trust, you know what you shouldn't trust. So those are my thoughts that I think they, they should fix first. Interesting, interesting. Um, probably, probably going away from the um, kind of businessy, politicsy kind of bit of it, right? Yeah. Focusing on the product, one of the biggest things that they did was Twitter Blue. So Twitter Blue was something that had been created um, in 2021. Yeah. Uh, Elon Musk had a big, big plans for this. Actually, in a um, he actually circulated a document, a pitch deck, which is quite funny. Uh, just this, the same document that you know, like a startup founder who's got no money would use is the same document. Same style of document that Elon Musk uses when he's trying to like raise billions and billions of dollars to take Twitter private. He had big plans for subscription, basically in that document. Yeah, and essentially they put in a new subscription product uh, or evolved the existing subscription product for eight dollars per month. You could basically undo tweets, uh, and what you could also do is get verified with a blue tick next to your name. Yeah, for eight dollars per month, and this caused chaos. <laughs> this caused like massive, massive chaos. So I'll tell you, I'll show you some of the, the funny things that this this caused chaos with, right? All right. And then uh, I'll tell you about kind of the, the secondary effects of that. And then I'd love to understand, you know, maybe we can have a bit of a brainstorm about maybe what we would have done differently with with Twitter yeah. Blue as a subscription product on Twitter. Yeah. So basically, um, basically, like say for example, you're a company like Apple. Okay. What I could do with my normal Twitter account is I could change my name to Apple with an S at the end. So people could hardly see the difference. My, my actual username, I could change my name just to Apple. So my display name, I could yeah. change my icon to whatever you're using and I'd have a blue tick blue tick next to me. So on a platform where people probably spend like half a second looking at each tweet, it looks like an Apple tweet. Then I could tweet something something crazy like, yeah. we're not going to we're not going to release the iPhone 15. Just which has enjoy, happened. enjoy what Apple. you have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which has happened, yeah. yeah. And 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 basically people would take that at face value. This had a lot of questions. A an account this had a lot of problems. An account uh, impersonating LeBron James. And again, it looks legit because it's got the blue tick next to it, right? It said that he was uh, requesting a trade to a different uh, basketball team. <laughs> PepsiCo, um, or actually Pepico, uh, i.e. the company behind Pepsi, tweeted Coke is better. 14.8 thousand likes. <laughs> That's hilarious. But the best one was a pharmaceutical 
pharmaceutical company in the uh, United States. Somebody impersonated them uh, and said, we are excited to announce that insulin is now free. That took their share price down from around $370 uh, to $345 um, because people thought that, investors thought that they're just going to start giving away their core product for free. Um, which was uh, quite funny, actually, but it it just it just created and there's some there was some more kind of it's like a ten percent down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's some more sinister stuff that I yeah. probably won't talk about. But yeah, basically, impersonation became a big problem, and for a little while, people couldn't couldn't really see anything. People yeah, couldn't really trust anything. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, this goes again with transparency and trust. If if you're going again with the town hall idea of who shares what. If you have 10 Ravis and they're sharing different things and Ravi is actually the mayor of the of the town hall and, and you have 10 different Ravis and you can see his face and these Ravis are contradicting each other, you're like, okay, so what do we follow? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly that. Exactly. Yeah. And this for brands caused a big problem. And I was reading in some like industry, some industry kind of forums and that kind of stuff. People mm -hmm. were talking about brand safety. So yeah. from the perspective of like a brand, right, you are advertising on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. You're spending money on Twitter and it's working for you. Or maybe it's not working for you because well, that's a separate conversation. Yeah. Right. Then basically Elon Musk buys Twitter. Boom. Right. Suddenly you're seeing all of these problems where people are posting impersonating random accounts. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. They might not be impersonating your account, but it's causing a little bit of chaos on, on the platform. Great. Elon Musk has fired half the team. So content moderation became a bit of a problem at Twitter. Yeah. Um, it became a huge problem at Twitter, actually. So your your promoted tweet might show up next to something that you really don't want your brand next to. Okay. So they, they call that brand safety. So the brand safety of, of Twitter decreased massively. Similarly, your account manager might have just been fired. Um, so the person that you talk to when you're creating a campaign and things like that um, might have just been fired. Their boss might have been fired. So you've got no one to talk to within Twitter in terms of the millions of millions of dollars you're spending on, on the platform on an annual basis, for example. Equally, the actual ads manager, and this happened, did go down a few times as well because they got rid of so many engineers. Um, so essentially, like you're there, like you're trying to give money money to Twitter, but your brand will become unsafe. And the actual physical logistical things of like interacting with them and buying them using their product as an advertiser just becomes so much more difficult. Net result of this is that 50% of the top 100 advertisers on Twitter have are no longer advertising on Twitter, which means that you've got even more revenue problems, which means you have to cut even more which it kind of sucks for everyone, but let, let's do a quick. And this is all caused by Twitter Blue. Well, some of these problems, problems, some of these problems were caused by Twitter Blue. Yeah, so Twitter Blue is this basically the main thing that that existed before Elon Musk came. Yeah. The main value proposition is that now you're verified and, and we do some identity verification. Hence, you have some credibility on what you're saying. And you're basically paying for it. Like that means that someone from Twitter some somehow verified who you are. Uh, but let's do some quick back of the envelope math. So you have 400 million to, uh, user, Twitter users globally. Mm -hmm. Ten, we're saying that we already said in the previous episode, 10% of the users are responsible for 92% of the tweets. Mm -hmm. So let's say 10% of the users in Twitter are power users. Mm -hmm. Hence are people who are posting all the time. Um, they need that credibility. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe like politicians, maybe activists or, or, or any type of people who actually are saying and spreading the word and have some sort of business around Twitter. We're going to go back on like the, the, the affordability or, or not of, for this thing. But basically you have 10%, that means 40, 400 million global, global users. You have 40 million users who are willing to pay. That's 10%. Or potential market, right? Is ten percent. If you're charging them what 10, 10, 10 pounds, ten dollars per month, mm -hmm. that's already four hundred 
400 million million dollars a month that you're getting yeah. in one go without actually yeah. having to add any extra features or any extra costs to your existing product. well i think i think you would have to add features to make it worthwhile right like the, that, the people aren't just going to pay money just for the sake of it right that's a that's i think the problem because they they're making something that was free before and like exclusive something that you pay for so it's not really exclusive anymore anyone that has the money can pay for it like it's it's, it's not really that's a problem with uh, affordability and it's not that exclusive anymore it's like it's not exclusive and now you have to pay mm-hmm. um it raises a lot of the questions around okay if you are like an activist uh, that works for an ngo that relies on twitter heavily but you don't really have the resources to pay for for your account your personal account your company account and so on because you rely a lot of um yeah you rely on on other mediums to actually make money and keep your 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 organization running i don't know if that's the best choice of how can we support these people by keeping twitter free and available for them but at the same time keeping it keeping it keeping it visible and transparent how how would you have monetized it i think there's a quickest solution i mean just just I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a CEO. I'm not an expert in finance and business, but just looking at the numbers quickly, Twitter was losing before Elon Musk came, 220 million a year. Quickest way to turn that around, what they did. Um, mm-hmm. I think the 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 problem they have done is they they took something that was free and added again to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what they're gonna go for right now is they're gonna focus on things that add that that support content creation, things that support uh, journalists, that support. Uh, activists things that um um the newsletters uh, things that support people that that basically monetize and create their communities on twitter um so that eight pounds is a no-brainer for them if that makes sense they get more value out of their community for twitter that's how i would focus the features around like supporting those people and make make that eight pounds a no-brainer for them like Mm -hmm. helping helping those users or those power users that currently hold 10 percent of user market uh, of users yeah 10% 10% of users in Twitter, um, helping them get more value out of their communities. That's how I would focus. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. While, while you're talking there, I thought about a different idea, right? All right. Go um, and, and this isn't my idea, but basically, uh, I think I think I probably heard it on Pivot, uh, which is a podcast with Scott Galloway, who has been an outspoken critic of the way Twitter has been run, particularly by Jack Dorsey uh, in the yeah. last few years. Yeah, yeah. But essentially, um, his idea is charge people based on the number of followers they have. Mm -hmm. And basically, my idea is basically the same, but coming at it from a different angle. So we learned that advertisers like Twitter, not for direct response campaigns, but for brand awareness campaigns, right? So what we call more top of funnel, more kind of just like reminding people you exist um, so that when they are ready to buy, they think of you, right? Yeah. So essentially... Take say take take a brand like like Wendy's or Greg's. Okay, so yeah. these are these are two just you know fast food outlets, one in the U- US and one in the um one in the UK. Both of them have got quite quite strong tone of voices. Okay, and mm-hmm. they build a lot of awareness just by tweeting funny stuff, by replying to funny stuff, and and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. They've probably both got millions and millions of followers. Okay. Yeah. So let's take Greg's as an example. Greg's doesn't get at least I've never seen a, a, an ad from them. Right. They don't get a lot of value out of Twitter from advertising. They got a lot of value from simply having it, having an account with lots of followers. So Twitter could consider, maybe should consider, just charging them because they've built the town square that you've said. They've built the infrastructure that they've said for every single one of these companies that needs an official Twitter account because Twitter are big enough to say, you need an official Twitter account now. Coca-Cola, Apple, every single big brand, 
by the way, to be on Twitter with more than a million followers or 100,000 followers or whatever the cutoff may be, if you're this type of company, we're going to charge you and we're going to charge you two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten million dollars a year. I think it'd be worth it to them just to exist, just to just tweet. Just to exist on Twitter. Mm, I mean, yeah. Uh, then uh, the thing there is- There we, we go. Case closed. Elon, give me a ring. We'll sort no, out. The thing, my, my argument against that is that you are, it all becomes around who has the money to pay. And I'm not sure if, if you have like, if you're an NGO, for example, like, I yeah, don't know. But you could, I mean, look, this is hand wavy, but you could like, you know, in the same way that like schools don't have to pay as much for like Google accounts, you could just say, yeah, we'll just make it free for Oxfam or free for. Yeah, yeah you can find solutions yeah. around it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like you have the extra marginal cost of double checking every once in every, like every year. And so you might have like some customer success or some like someone in the company just to double check that you're good, you're still running, you're still an NGO. Like you're you're not dealing only with 10 of them. You're like probably going to have to deal with what? Like hundreds, thousands, something companies yeah, who yeah. have their own B2B account. And that's an extra added cost if you're going to add a, some customer success manager to each of these accounts. Yeah. 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 It's not, Fair it's enough. not, it's not a free money from my, from my perspective. It's like, it needs some oh, maintenance. There's no such thing, but like the point is, is that people should really yeah. like, you know, it does make sense personally, personally speaking. Yeah. Like these companies need to be there, right? Yeah. What, what type of, what type of feature? No, they do need to be there. What type of feature would you, or you have desired from Twitter? Good question. <laughs> I just want them to bring my old timeline back and stop switching me to the to the new algorithmic one. Um, you can switch my timeline. No, but it doesn't stick. Ah, it doesn't stick. You yeah, it doesn't stick. stick. Yeah, okay. yeah, it doesn't stick, so to speak. Okay. I think when it comes to to Twitter, like, and to be honest, like from from my point of view, there's not a lot more they could or should add, if that makes sense. Like, I think I've liked Twitter the way it was since it was since in 2010, if that makes sense. And pretty much every change since then, I've been against. Because I like yeah. the simplicity of it. I remember back in the day, like SMSing into Twitter so I could tweet and getting SMS back based on my mention, uh, based on people replying and mentioning me and that kind of stuff and retweeting and that kind of thing. I used to really enjoy that. You're not uh, change, are you? No. Well, in in the case of Twitter, no. I like the way I like the way it was because <laughs> it's simple. It's not like you know, if you try and if you try and post like a story on Instagram these days. Yeah. It's so hard. It's it, there's so many like swipes and taps and dragging and this and the other. On Twitter, you tweet something, end of. And I feel I feel I'm talking to a millennial man. <laughs> Posting a story on Instagram is so hard. What are you talking about? It is. It is. It is difficult. Talking about millennials, quick two two random questions. Mm-hmm. Quick of a, a bit of a quiz about Twitter. Twitter accounts with the most followers. Who's first? Cristiano Ronaldo. No, wrong. It's not even. Uh, it's actually in the top six. Cristiano Ronaldo. He's he's got the most Instagram followers, hasn't he? Yeah. He's not got the most goals at this World Cup, but anyway. Not yet. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Can we tell you? No, wait, hold on. Let me think. Let me think. Most Twitter followers. Elon Musk. He's number three. Shit. Do you hear that? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Go on. I don't know. First, Barack Obama. He's Really? Yeah. So we didn't, talk about it. We, we didn't talk about it before, but Barack Obama, during his 2008 campaign, he massively used twitter his campaign did and that really legitimized it yeah 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 that's like the, the origins of politics and social media yeah with exactly Barack Obama campaign yeah yeah uh, justin bieber number two justin bieber okay very interesting then elon musk yeah. as i said yeah then katy perry nice rihanna yep and cristiano ronaldo nice yeah and then yeah, yeah. designed by us 
and then the same by us. That's it. Luigi. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay. Um, All right. Well, look. You know, I think actually maybe, maybe those follow maybe those follow accounts are going to decline, um, and the reason is is because people are leaving Twitter, um, and there some people are going to something called Mastodon, another service. And I think it'd be cool to talk a little bit about that and compare and contrast. What do you think, yeah. Luigi? Yeah. Let's go for it. Okay. So basically, uh, when in kind of October of this year where Mastodon, Mastodon has existed for a number of years, but it had around 300,000 users. Uh, now it's well on its way to 2 million. Okay. And yeah. it's literally been two or three months. So they're experiencing massive growth because people are leaving Twitter and they're trying to find something different. But Mastodon is really, really, really exciting, uh, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it's really, really different. Okay. Um, and it doesn't work like Twitter does. So let's get into it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, cool. So look, Mastodon is really different to Twitter. Okay. So with Twitter, with Facebook, with Instagram, okay, I create an account, I log into the service and everybody is logged in. It's all, it's basically all on the same server, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. It's all on the same computer in the sky, basically. And it's all owned by one company. So that means that when they want to, uh, when I follow you, Luigi, I just have to update the big server in the sky that Facebook owns or Twitter owns that says, hey, Ravi is now following Luigi. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yep. Mastodon works a little bit differently. It's what's called, it's basically what's known as federated. Okay. So mm-hmm. Mastodon is basically so- software that people can run on different servers. Um, and essentially, when you uh, log on to Twitter, you're utilizing Twitter software run on Twitter servers that they own. When you sign up for an account on Mastodon, you're basically choosing where you want to put your uh, your account whose server you want to put it on. And these are literally different computers in the sky, uh, if that makes sense. Are you with me so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. So basically, when you create a Mastodon account, you are basically saying, I want to be part of this particular server. And basically, what makes it really interesting is that even though uh, these are different servers owned by different people, you can still follow people who are living on other servers through Mastodon, if that makes sense. That's what means it's, that's what makes it federated. Okay. Yeah. So basically each server can communicate with other different servers. And there's a lot of different ways that we can kind of think about this in terms of services that we currently use. So say for example, email, you might have a Hotmail account. I might have a Gmail account, but we can still talk to each other if that makes yeah. sense. Cause yeah, we're using yeah. the same language, right? right? To talk to each other. Um, the same, te- the same technology, just in different places. Okay. Yeah. The underlying t- language that Mastodon uses is actually something called activity pub. Um, and we'll come back to that later so talk to me about your account creation experience because i know it didn't go as smoothly uh, as you might have hoped and tell me kind of like what you felt like when you were when you were signing up yeah i mean you have some sort of validation this was a massive thing actually in um in web summit yeah like mastodon was like the thing when you talk about web3 type of thing and like Mm -hmm. there is this term called data portability and of course for you to the idea that as you as you clearly said like when you go on like linkedin and twitter etc like those people don't own like you are not owner of your network actually the social media is uh, and mastodon is trying to do that to make you owner of your own network Mm -hmm. and for all in order for you to achieve that you need to be able to be verified in some way or or i actually so when, I, I'm when still you signed not... up when, when when you signed up you had to yeah. select which server you wanted to join i'm getting there i'm getting there gotcha okay. so basically uh when, once you are gonna go and sign up you need to exactly select what server you want to sign up on uh initially create your account and follow a bunch of steps and then you get some sort of email verification 
once you get an email verification, I guess some sort of community will decide if you are in or not. And I still haven't gotten it yet, so I guess I'm out. But yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tricky one to log in and to create an account for a specific server and to be part of a specific community. Absolutely. I learned from you that there are some open ones. So how was the experience with that? Yeah, absolutely. So like when when you when you want to sign up an account on Mastodon, you have to select which server you want and you selected a server where they basically ask you to apply for an account. Yeah. I selected the uh, masto.ai server, which currently is open. And the reason why they close it off is because it actually gets too expensive to host all of these people. Like you actually yeah. have to pay for a computer in the cloud. The admins have to pay for that computer in somewhere, yeah, yeah. right? Um, so yeah. I signed up for Mastodon, um, sorry, masto.ai, which is like, seems to be the big one that everyone's um, joining at the moment from what I could un- make out, right? Yeah. Um, and when I created my account, uh, it was a little bit of a hassle actually. Um, it, it wasn't that seamless experience that we're used to as as users. Yeah. Essentially, I had to firstly understand what servers were, where my server would be, and then I had to uh, connect with with that particular. Sorry, then I had to set up my account. Interestingly, I noticed that it was a lot slower than I'm used to on Twitter, for example, when uploading my picture and that kind of thing. It's not like a you know crazy massive network that we expect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then basically, it said, "Oh, like you should follow these people who are on, who are on this server." Okay. And basically, once you once you're into Mastodon. And once you're kind of like using it, um, you actually basically have different feeds. Um, and essentially on one of those feeds, you can see all of the all of the posts that people are making from that particular server. So it's almost like following them all automatically. So the server that you join does actually make quite a big difference to the way that you experience the um the the platform. Okay. Yeah. So then what happens if I want to follow somebody who's on a different server, right? In theory, that's completely possible. So I can navigate to their account. Um, and um, basically, each username um, isn't as simple as Ravi is occupied. It Ravi is occupied at your server name. Okay. Yeah. So you find someone, you search for them, and then you're able to find them. If you want to follow somebody who's on a different server, you have to copy and paste their whole name. There isn't like a one-click thing. You've got to copy it, go back to your server, say follow, and then paste that person's profile URL yeah. in there. Like it's almost like an email, right? At yeah. so-and-so, right? It's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a challenge. I feel this is a consistent thread along all the the Web3 stuff. Like the average human being doesn't really know how to create a wallet, doesn't really know how to exchange crypto, at least in, with the fintech side, right? Like fintech is the, the first thing that is catching up in, in, in uh, blockchain, for example, mm-hmm. in Web3. Mm-hmm. Like, it is very unknown. Now we're going more into like the social and community part of it with, with Mastodon and like trying to figure out how we build communities or decentralized communities. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really hard and really complex. And like, if you want the average human being to be part of these communities, I think the friction is to go way lower. It is. And the friction is, 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 is incredibly high. It's really, yeah. really high. I, I can't explain it enough. Like it's, it's really, really, it's quite, yeah. it's quite large. Um, because when, when it comes around fintech, like the reward could be like quite a lot. It's financial reward and people are willing to go through the pain. Like right now, the next best option is to go to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, where like the reward is chatting to people that are interested about topic X reward in this case. If you want to go through all that pain to get this Mastodon account, maybe the average human is not willing to go through that pain and mm-hmm. that friction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely yeah. agree. I can completely agree. And like, um, it's you know, I like I said, it's 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 quite a difficult user experience. Yeah. However, there are some cool things about Mastodon which I want to talk about. Right. All right. Go on. The first one is you can add notes to people's accounts. 
So basically, I go to your account on Mastodon. Somehow I find it after navigating to the correct server and uh, finding finding you. Um, and I can add a note to your account, which I think only I see and you don't see. So I can say, oh, this is Luigi. He's the podcast co-host. Now I remember who he is, right? It's kind of okay. like a little like a tiny CRM feature um, to help you manage your the people that you follow or, or your followers or any kind of account, really. The other thing, which is really, really, really cool about this, right, um, is that because, you, do you remember earlier I said that Mastodon uses a shared language called ActivityPub, and I'm that, I'd get back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mastodon uses ActivityPub so that different servers can talk to each other, okay, within Mastodon, okay? Yeah. However, ActivityPub is also a language that is used by other services, okay? So things okay. things that are not Mastodon, okay? One of those is called PeerTube, which is like a YouTube competitor, okay? Okay. And basically- Is this a could... language like a, like a a programming language? No, it's not a programming language. It's a little bit like webhooks or something like that. It's way oh, for okay. one server to say, hey, this thing has happened to another server. Okay, right? sounds good, okay. Wasn't okay. So then basically, basically what I can do is you can like follow a, um, a PeerTube account or a PeerTube channel. And when that PeerTube, account which is like a youtube so it's like videos are hosted there right mm -hmm. when they post it shows up in your mastodon yeah because it's the same underlying information that's being just shared it's like here's the post this is the date it was posted this is the time it's posted this is the text and this is the video right and yeah. that goes straight into um that comes straight into mastodon so basically you can imagine all of these different services or all of these different things basically utilizing the same the same underlying language to talk to each other but each doing different things so Basically, do you remember? And the thing that I was thinking about when I when I realized this was, do you remember we were talking about Nokia, yeah, uh, and Microsoft and yeah, yeah. Windows Phone, right? Yeah, and we talked, to, yeah. And do you remember we talked about how Facebook and Twitter and Instagram used to be much more open with their APIs, such that on my uh, Windows Phone I could search Luigi and I see your recent tweets, your recent Facebook posts, yeah. your recent Instagram posts, right? Yeah. This kind without of technology, opening without opening the app, this kind of technology is going to enable that again, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And they call that the Fediverse. The Fediverse. Yeah, Federated I mean, Verse. Fed we had this, uh, this discussion around the Metaverse in a few episodes ago with WebSummit. Um, no, I, no, no, I just because it's got Verse at the end. Just because it's got Verse at the end, it's, it's, it doesn't, mean, doesn't mean it's the same. I'm not saying the beta Metaverse and Fediverse are the same, but the exchange of data is what, <laughs> what makes it happen. But anyway, my point that what I'm going to say now is that I'm, I'm a big fan of users owning their own data and deciding where they want to bring that specific network or what they want to yeah. see where like imagine having this, this this super app that has like this youtube competitor or like this this place that basically reads from everywhere it's like apple tv plus right where you where you get netflix you get disney plus you get amazon prime everything served in one app and this is the place that you want to serve the content from the people that you want and the things that you want to see I, as a user, I would like to see that. And of course, right now, no, I can't do it because all, all of these platforms have locked the network within their own ecosystem. They want to own the experience and we need to figure out a way to open that up. So it's as a user, for me, it's better. But that's exactly where Mastodon is coming from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I do think there is value in that idea. Um, I think we're still very early. Yeah, no, early I adopters. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I'm really enthused by this, as, as you can probably tell. I think this is... Yeah. Look, is this the future? Probably not. People probably don't want this. Okay, is this what I want? Yes. Yeah, this is probably the MySpace of social media. I don't, I don't know about that. No, it's diff that's that's a really poor example. I would say actually, this is a lot like podcasting. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot like because like basically back in the old days, um, or even you know to an extent the current day, right? Um, and yeah, I'm gonna go off on about Spotify. So you know, you may as well just sign off now because <laughs> we've had this conversation before. But basically, um. Back in the old days, 
each podcast would basically have their own server where their podcast would be. There'd be what's called an RSS feed. And people who subscribe to that RSS feed would get notified that there's a new podcast episode out, right? Mm -hmm. So you'd have your podcast app on your phone. And that could be Apple Podcasts. It could be Overcast. It could be Simplecast. It could be any one of these podcast apps that's got a specific interface that you like. And basically, you tell that podcast, hey, listen to this RSS feed. When there's a new episode, download what that RSS feed gives you. Great. Yeah. So it means that people, like, it's not... It's, it's everyone's like kind of owning their own data and it all comes into one place and it's up to you where you want to access it, right? So that's kind of like the Mastodon approach or the Fediverse approach. And then basically you have, and we see this in our own stats and figures, and I'm sure every podcast is the same, the growth of Spotify and podcasting, where you have to upload your stuff directly to Spotify and then Spotify send it to their users in a very kind of vertically integrated way, okay? They're not like grabbing stuff off your server. It's all done through Spotify and it's a very closed ecosystem. And I think that's kind of like, I've, I've not liked that because that's one thing I really liked about podcasts is that was open, you know, it, the, the users own their, their, their experience. We as podcasters just issue the, um, issue the, um, the episode when it's ready on, a, on our kind of, uh, on our, on, on our stack. And I think, and I think that the fact that like you've got companies like Spotify just trying to eat the whole thing is just annoying to me, but that's just a separate conversation. But yeah. The point I is, it's like with you, but go on. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, is that this is kind of where Mastodon is coming from, and I, that because of that, I hope it, I hope it lives. All right, I and hope can, it lives too. And you can follow me on Mastodon at Ravi is occupied at masto.ai. So yeah, good luck wow. remembering that. Dot <laughs> AI. Yeah, but you can keep no. Ravi is occupied, right? And you can just attach it whatever server you want to be. No, related no, no. To. So you could, you could create Ravi is occupied on a different Mastodon server if you wanted. Oh, it's a bit confusing. Yeah, it's really it really sucks. And actually, okay. the, the last thing as well is around um, moderation and community. Each server has its own rules about what they'll allow and what they won't allow. Um, okay, so it's, so it's like you have different countries and different countries have different laws and you can exchange and communicate and travel ar around different countries, but you need to adapt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Wow. So Luigi, we've been on a journey through, through Twitter um, and more recently Mastodon as well. We've talked a lot about social media. We've gone all the way back to 2006, 2007. Um, it's 2022. What are the biggest things you've learned from from this journey? Uh, biggest things I've learned is that always you need to listen to the user. Always thing uh, you can clearly see that when Jack Dorsey left, J Jack Dorsey left this new Eve, uh, the the, the F second CEO, F yeah yeah Eve uh, basically comes more user oriented, product oriented. Twitter starts to grow grow. Uh, active users start to grow. The features that we today think they're average and normal and everyone should have were born thanks to him or him and the team. So always focus on the user. Once politics start coming into your company, it's yeah. a really bad sign and you should never let that happen. Politics are the main killer of product innovation because you start putting egos in front of actually what matters to the user. That's the, the wrong thing. Happened to Apple, happened to Twitter. Yeah shouldn't happen um and then finally i think you also get eaten by like if you don't innovate and you don't put the user in front of you your food is gonna get eaten by a bigger dog and i think mastodon could be that bigger dog if twitter stops innovating and actually i think twitter will have will, will figure out a way to integrate web3 tech and decentralized info um somehow I don't know how exactly that will play out, but I think I would see them going into that direction, especially if Elon is around. Mm -hmm. Elon, like, you know how I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. I hate, I know you hate me or anyone saying, talking it's about fine. him. You know, in personally, you, you, go, you, go, you go way back. It's fine. It makes sense. Yeah, me. we go way back. Yeah, PayPal days. 
Um, anyway, no, I, I do think there is going to be some sort of innovation around Web3 stuff. Uh, otherwise, I think social media networks might, might die. Like as, you, as you have seen on, 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 on Facebook, Facebook hasn't, has Facebook average uh, active, daily active users has been going down. Um, Instagram has been going up, though. Uh, but Snapchat has been going down. So the way we are serving and consuming information, I think will probably change in the next few months. Mm -hmm. And it's, I hope it's going to go along the direction of Mastodon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it for me. Okay. Any thoughts from you? Uh, I, I, I would say that Web... I'm, I'm not sure if Mastodon is Web3. So I'll just push I back. Just, mm, we'll agree to I mean, What is Web3? Web3 well, is the exchange of, exchange of data. There we go. <laughs> I do think it is. It's not. It's not built on the blockchain. No, no, no. It's, it, you, something. Uh, something doesn't have to be built on the blockchain to be Web three. To be Web three. I think that the idea that you own your data and things are like there's not a central server like controlling the information everywhere. Like you can make your own community with your own server and you can control that. Well, I think that is what is. Uh, I'm. I'm seeing a tweet here from uh, at join Mastodon, which seems yeah. to be the official Mastodon account on Twitter, uh, right. which says. From March March third, two thousand twenty-two. No Web three, no Web three nonsense. So you know. Well, but anyway, biggest things I say? I, biggest things that I've learned. Okay, happy after to be proven wrong. After two thousand and ten, yeah, Twitter should not have changed their product at all. It was perfect. You always need to change your product. Maybe they change it in the wrong direction, but you always need to change your products. Okay, but for this particular well, anyway. user, for this particular user, anyway. Fantastic. Well, look, let's, um, well, Luigi, I've really enjoyed that conversation. Um, thank you so much for accompanying me on that particular one. Um, I hope, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Uh, next week, we'll be talking a little bit about the magic that Coca-Cola is able to bring at Christmas uh, before we enter a little bit of a Christmas break. We'll also be sharing one of our uh, favorite posts from the archive, one of our favorite episodes from the archive that you probably haven't heard before. So stick with us um, this Christmas and uh, we'll speak to you very soon. Yeah. If you like this episode, feel free to leave a review that helps other listeners find the podcast. Finally, if you want to stay in the conversation, feel free to follow us on designbios underscore FM, follow Ravi at Ravi's Occupied, and follow me at Luigi underscore Dintrono. You can find all of this info in the show notes, and you can also find, find in-depth show notes of what we talked about in the Patreon, which are there for free, and you can choose to support our Patreon. Absolutely. Thank you. See you next time. Oh, you forgot to mention one last thing. If you want to follow me on Mastodon, you can find a server, select it, apply for an account, get your account, yeah. navigate to a different server, and find me at Ravi is occupied at Mastodon.ai. Yeah, copy the name of Ravi, and then bring it <laughs> back to your account, paste the name of Ravi, and decide to follow. There you go. Okay. All right. Easy. See you. See you. Bye-bye.